0: Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, where we share positive stories and suggestions about finding hope, resources, and connections to help us all get through hard times. I'm Karen Sullivan, a mom, an author, and a stage four cancer patient who's always looking around me for inspiration. I believe in surrounding myself with people and experiences that make me smile. And that's what I'm hoping to do for you today. So grab your favorite drink. Get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to multiple Emmy winner Amar Shah. Amar has successfully made his mark in not only screenwriting and production, but also in journalism, marketing, and novel writing. Amar has written for many prestigious organizations such as ESPN, NFL, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post to name a few, as well as work for big brands in the sports, media, and travel hospitality industries. His unique combination of experiences in different industries has given him the opportunity to learn valuable lessons and insights. His most recent work is his novel, Play the Game, which will be released in early 2024. This book explores the ideas of overcoming and growing from mistakes by following the life of an 11-year-old basketball player. On today's episode of Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, Amar shares some of the lessons learned through writing. Now, I am so excited that he's here because I know him from, I mean, at this point, what are we saying, Amar, 15 or so years ago? Are we dating ourselves when we worked for Disney and ESPN media networks together? And I always know he is full of positive energy Always has a smile, and always willing to jump in and work. So I am not surprised to see the successes that you've had over the last several years.
1: Hi, Karen! Thanks so much. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Um, really looking forward to it. And um, it's been way too long. And I look forward to uh, to bonding and to, to chatting with your audience.
0: Well, thank you very much. And as I look at us, I'm like, we haven't
1: aged, have
0: we? Maybe the media, or excuse me, the, the technology, not so much the media, uh, doesn't do it justice, right? But it is, it's is—it's so good to see you. And thank you again for being here. So I want to open up just for a moment and, and tell the listeners a little bit about your background and why writing and how it really has played a role since you were a child in your life.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, for me, I've been a, a writer since... You know, I can remember being in fifth grade and writing Scooby-Doo centric stories and then sixth grade writing Field of Dreams uh, ripoffs. So for me, sports and writing have always gone, you know, together. And my journey has always been, writing has always been my background. It's always been that solid foundation that has able to kind of given me the career that I have without that being um, my fundamental um, importance to who I am as a storyteller, I wouldn't be where I am now. And, you know, I, I always look at it as, you know, we're, we're all storytellers, but, you know, where do we find what's authentic to us in order to tell? And, you know, I've always wanted to write the books that I read when I was younger, except I never found characters that I could, you know, fully relate to. So, you know, as I've gotten older, it's something that I wanted to create for my own, my, for my own kids And, you know, being a writer is, you know, through every job that I've had, whether it was a producer at ESPN or whether it was working in marketing at Disney or working for the NFL or even at the NBA level, it was all about who am I as a storyteller? And it started with that, um, as I said, foundation.
0: Now, what's interesting is as people are listening right now, they might be thinking, oh, I'm not a writer. And I had a really interesting professor in grad school that had us do this exercise that said first he said okay who who here's a writer you had a few people raise their hands he's like all right well so who here has ever had to write an essay for school and we all raise our hands right who here has ever had to write a to-do list and we all kind of laugh like all right here we have who here has had to write a note or love to write notes when they were in elementary school and pass them around the classroom. Okay. So then a bunch of us giggled. Yeah, we did that. And he went through this sequence for about five minutes, which doesn't sound long, but it really was to showcase that all of us inherently likely are writers. We've had to write. And I will say as somebody who Quite honestly, I do a lot of writing. I, you know, from our days at, at, at Disney and ESPN, I was always writing a memo or writing a presentation. We did a, writing an email. The more you do, once I came on and started pretty wellness did the motivational speaking engagements, I started writing and you know writing the blog. And the more practice I had, the better I got at writing. So, as you are listening to those out there um, to what we're saying here, I want you to put on the cap of, hey, you listen. If you don't like writing, that's one thing. But if you're open to it, there's just so many different roads that writing can take you, as you just articulated from what you've done in your career.
1: You know, as you mentioned, there's so many different types of writing, whether it's a text message or a instant message or um, you know, or writing a book, or writing for video, or writing a video game, or writing for yourself, writing in your own journal. Um, I don't think there's anything that would help you remember something or put things in a perspective, like putting it down on paper or putting it down on your keyboard, because it's a reflection of your state of mind of where you're going. And you know, going back to, to storytelling, we're all storytellers, whether you know we want to call ourselves that or not. And that's where I think it's really important for us to kind of go back to, and I think it's something that I learned at Disney is that it all boils down to storytelling. And writing is a key component of it, but it's not the only thing. But I, I do think writing itself as a tactile act, whether it's, like I said, typing or whether it's writing, really does help you as a person uh, become a reflection of what your your thought process is and it puts a lot of things in perspective.
0: And I, I think that it's super cathartic. Yes. I think when I was doing my speaking engagements and COVID beginning a COVID hit we everybody we all took a pivot. And so I started talking a little less about wellness 101 and even my cancer story but more about finding purpose. And sometimes we just don't know or Whatever reason, a lot's going on in our lives. And that's where I think journaling can be helpful. And some people love to long-form journal. Others want to write bullet points. Some people may even write it out like a story. As you were saying, I'm thinking of your field of dreams, like how you would change the endings. Like Now I think they might call that fan fiction. Uh, But whatever age you're at, writing can be super cathartic. And I mean, I know that maybe I'm taking a left turn here from, from the books and I'm really excited to hear more where that came from, but I know that you wrote about your family in the Washington post and you've written other stories that have to do with life more from a nonfiction background. So whichever way you go, it can be
1: cathartic. Oh, hundred percent. You know, you were talking about the the Washington post essay that started off as a Twitter thread that I wrote as a reaction to a documentary. And you know that documentary didn't allow me to tell it didn't tell the story that I grew up with, especially. So basically, some background: um, there was a video or a documentary created about Apu and the problems of representation. While you know I have a lot of respect for the director, I felt there was no one there that actually talked about what it was like to really work at a convenience store, and I grew up behind the counter.
0: And you're talking about The Simpsons. I'm talking
1: about The Simpsons. So yeah, so Apu from The Simpsons. And I grew up, my dad being, you know, the like original or like a real life of poo. And for me, I didn't have the issues that other people had. I had an authentic story. I saw America through, you know, a gas station. And I met so many people through that world. And I, you know, I, I think there was an authenticity to it that I brought to that Twitter thread that people hadn't seen before. And it registered with so many people, you know, across the spectrum. And I ended up turning that into a very personal essay that, you know, like I said, it, it meant a lot to a lot of different people. And I knew then that I hit on something, you know, genuine. And I think it starts with that place of genuine authenticity of who you are. And I've always tried to write from that perspective. My 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 passion has always been first-person uh, nonfiction or whether it's first-person fiction.
0: And and I remember reading that piece and it, and thinking it was really powerful. And your point is just so important, and I don't think we can hear it enough, is – When, whatever we do, really, when it starts with authenticity, oftentimes it's relevant to other people. It's, you know, maybe it's cathartic. So that's why maybe some people will write or perform or create art, whatever it might be. But having something, some story that you want to share with the world can be good for yourself. But then as you said, so many people could relate and reached out and felt like it meant something to them.
1: And that's what, and that's what really struck me was that so many times I've tried to write something where there isn't, um, I have to start with an authentic feeling, something that, you know, I have an emotional connection with or something. Cause if you write for the sake of writing, which is great, but when you really want to like register with the reader and resonate, um, it has to start with, and, and I think the reader is sharp enough to know, whether they're reading something by someone who just put something on the page or whether it was a story that needed to be told.
0: Now, how do you make that shift? That was nonfiction. That was your life. That was real. How do you make that connection when you're writing fiction? Can you talk to us about your journey there?
1: It has definitely been a leap into two different genres. At the same time, the type of nonfiction that I always enjoyed was called sort of like new journalism. So they were always using fictional techniques of writing nonfiction. Obviously it's not fabricating or anything. It's just being able to put that novelistic detail in there um, and giving um, someone the authentic voice of being there, even, even if it's a real life setting. And so for me, it was easy to kind of like switch on to writing fiction because it was always, you know, combining, you know, memoir tactics, along with real life detail, along with, um, you know, uh, some leaps of faith. So it was kind of those three components that I, and I always try to write something that's close to me. And even though this story is basketball, it's middle school, it's a life that I lived, I also had to write for an audience that I'm no longer in that age demographic. So, you know, it's also utilizing you know that journalistic eye for detail. It's utilizing fictional techniques, and it's also that leap of imagination. So I think for me, I've always had those three, but now I was able to kind of put those on the page. And I think no matter what genre I decide to write in, there's always going to be that personal stake that um, is at the heart of whatever I'm trying to create.
0: Now, why why did you decide to do it? Was it just this childhood dream, and you wanted to make it happen? or was there a fire underneath you that led you to do it and how
1: It was a combination of both that fire to write a book has been with me since I was in middle and high school um, and then I became obviously a huge reader and a fan of F. Scott Fitzgerald and you know I read The Great Gatsby loved it and you know for far too long I wanted to be like F. Scott Fitzgerald and you know I was measuring like oh at 21 or 22 he wrote you know, his first novel and got it published. And then my age, you know, passes, and I, you know, nothing got written. And I started, you know, then I, it was always something that I wanted to do, but I never had the discipline and the, the drive to actually follow through on it. I mean, there were so many starts and stops, you know, through those years. But, you know, finally, after my son was born in 2015, I decided that I wanted to, you know, to write something personal. And I think it had to start with what was that story that you wanted to tell? And, you know, I had this incredible, like, experience of my, of covering the NBA when I was in high school and becoming with friends with Shaq. And I knew that was a story that not many people lived through. So I was trying to figure out a way of being able to tell that. So I started writing, you know, a, a memoir slash, like, fictional memoir about my experience. And, you know, I kind of chipped at it, you know, years and it took me about five years to finish the whole manuscript and get it out to an agent and it was a goal that i had when i was 40 years old to get that done you know you kept you keep kind of like putting the age forward but i kept working on it you know i had a nine to five so i was working on it early in the mornings late at nights you know it took me away from certain things that i you know but i I wanted to, to tell that story and you know it may have been for my kids that I wanted them to have something to to read. And maybe it was just for me that I had this story that I wanted to get out there because it was an incredible experience. And I think it could have resonated with so many different people. You know, so it was a combination. It was that ambition, but it was also, I had a, a reason that I wanted to, you know, obviously put something for my kids so that, you know, they have something that was authentic to them, that this was their dad's story. And so, you know, it, you know as you kind of go back to it, you know, there's always plethora of reasons. But the thing is, I had something to to say, and I wanted to put it down on paper.
0: So can you give us some advice to the listeners that maybe they have had these dreams, whether it's writing or maybe they're something else since they were a kid or maybe in recent years are like, oh, I want to start playing piano. What would your advice be to them on how to follow it? Because, you know, we all are very busy in life. We're just at that stage. And so it's hard to, I guess, find the time, but I'd love to hear what you'd have to say to them.
1: So one of the biggest influences and inspirations for me for finishing the book was in 2020, after um, you know Kobe Bryant passed away, um, I read his book, uh, Mamba Mentality. And I had actually was lucky enough to meet Kobe a couple of times when I was in high school. And it wasn't just like a, you know, hi, hello. I mean, I, they were kind of inspirational chats with him Um, when he was like, you know, he was two years older than I was. So when I was 16, I met him and he was just not even in the NBA. And then two years later, he remembered me when he came to our high school to practice. And, you know, it was just like talking to an old friend. So, you know, it, it registered for me when he passed in a very personal way. And so, you know, I wanted to read his book. And in that book, I found that inspiration. I think there was one line that I remember that I loved. I think it's a great, it's great practical advice for your audience. And that was you have to work hard in the dark to shine in the light. And that registered for me big time. And I was able to kind of channel my own inner mama mentality to just do the work. And I think that's what it boils down to. It's not, you know, writing is not some magical muse will play a song or it's not where like inspiration will strike you and all of a sudden you've got this book that's written. It's showing up. It's putting, it's standing. It's like, you know, sitting in front of a computer on a blank screen staring at it um, until you put a sentence together and that's all it takes is you build momentum and it starts with, you know, it starts small, right? You put words on a paper, um, you put an outline together and then you start, you know, as I said, chipping away at it because it doesn't happen overnight. It took me five to six years to write my first book And then it took me two months to write my second book. So it's practice.
0: I totally agree with that. I love that quote, by the way, too, because I think there's just so much truth to it. We never, we can compare ourselves to what we see the people in the light, but we don't see what they've done in the dark. We don't see all the preparations that they have done. And whether it's writing or whether it's starting a new hobby of some sort, you got to put in the time, but the time doesn't necessarily, in this case, we're not looking to go to the NBA we don't have to put the time in all at once. You said it took you a number of years. I will say for my book, I, it started as a journal. Yeah. And in my mind, I, I never thought I was a good writer. I thought I was fine, but I never thought of myself as a good writer, but you know, I know how to talk. And so I think there's two avenues to go. I, with my earlier diagnosis, I journaled because I just needed to get it out. And so when I wrote the book, I went back to my old journal to see, like, how did I, how did I actually word things about what I was feeling? And I took some of that to put them into the book because it was really super authentic. This was how I really felt at the time. So I had something to work from, even though I hadn't been working on it for years. It did take me a few years. And by the way, I then had an editor as, so for me, I felt like I wrote it well. I had people read through it. But then it it did go, you know, different things were tweaked. And so the whole writing process, to me as a kid, I always was like, I'm not a good writer because it didn't just come out, quote unquote, perfect. Uh, but now I've learned, even myself, if I had no editor, I can edit, I can revise. So th- for those people who are stuck in their heads, like I'm not a good writer, the other thing that I sometimes do is I take my phone and I voice memo things because I can talk it. I I can talk <laughs> talk to myself on the voicemail and that would be then i can trans you know have it transcribed to paper
1: and i love that 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 technique works really really well and i think with someone like you like people want to hear that voice on paper um and i think that's a, that's a really great technique you know for me i had a lot of archival material from when i was a kid like i kept everything and whether it was yearbooks or newspapers or periodicals or my own writing so I was able to 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 find that voice for that character, and then launch it into um, a voice, uh, an authentic voice of a 15 year old kid in the 90s. And so, you know, it took some you know renditions in order to get that right. But once I got that that narrative in my head, I was able to put that on paper. And I think you know they always say write your voice, write your story, write you know you know write what's your material. Um, or write what you know, and and I love the fact that you were able to, because sometimes when you put that voice down on paper, it sounds incredibly different than you do in yeah. real life. So I love the fact that, and I think that's a great technique. Um, for me, I'm a little bit different, and I think that's what's so great about writers is that you can find that voice, whether it's your own, you know, voice in your normal conversation, or whether it's that that inner voice where, like for me, I have a plethora of different influences, right? So whether it's, like, F. Scott Fitzgerald, or whether it's Hunter Thompson, or Tupac, or Eminem, right? So I always, like, tried to, like, figure out what would be, like, um, a a hip-hop, like, literary writer, like, you know, with that vibe, and then also with, like, that Salman Rushdie, like, South Asian part of me, right? So it was, like, you know, is that my flavor? And then maybe it's not. And then you started distilling and distilling, distilling until you come to your own voice. Like one of the the great pieces of advice that I have, especially with if you're trying to write a book or you have a favorite writer, is that like Hunter Thompson wrote the entire Great Gatsby, he typed it himself, along with some of the Hemingway's Hemingway's work. So he got the rhythm of the prose. And I think, you know, for writers, like I did that a lot when I was younger to 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 find my own voice. And then as I did it more and more, I was able to like figure that out. And my, I, th- I think like my writing voice and my speaking voice. There are some similarities, but I also think that you have to bring that voice to the paper. That is, you know, that is to the story that you're trying to tell.
0: All right. So let me see if I understand that you're saying that take an author that's a role model to you or that you love, you love their voice and actually start typing it out because the way you read it is actually different than the way you're thinking it through as you're typing it?
1: It's not an alchemist process, but at the same time, I think it will really help you understand like the, the hidden uh, rhythms, the the, the techniques and there's no better way than, I mean, you know, imitation is the biggest form of flattery, but it really does help you. And, and like I said, everyone's inspirations come from somebody else. Like, like you can look at the, like, say, for example, the Hunter Thompson tree of inspiration and influences, and then you'll tie it to F. Scott Fitzgerald. And then from F. Scott Fitzgerald, you might go to like, you know, he, you know, to, to, to authors that he read or that inspired him. So it, we're all, we're, I mean, like go all the way to Keats, you know, the poet. Yeah right? Like Keats was a huge example, inspiration for Fitzgerald. And if you look at Fitzgerald's prose, he always peppers in a little bit of John Keats throughout. And I think that's that tree or that, you know, the, the pollinization of it all, like we all kind of like, you know, feed each other's flowers.
0: So beautifully said. And you can tell you're a writer by the way you've articulated that, but yet I can see that. What would you say to the person who says, well, that's already been talked about. I I know I have a voice, but this story's already been told, or there's so much of this
1: out there. Every archetype of a story has been told, but your story hasn't been told. And I think you have to really go back to, like I said, your authentic self and write your story. Don't try to write, you know, don't try to write the next Harry Potter. Don't try to write the next Hunger Games. Don't try to write, you know, the the, the next like Eat, Pray, Love. Write your story because those, you know, it all those are all authentic to that person who wrote that. And so I think going back to it, you know, it starts with a journal. It starts with something your kid told you or some article you read in the paper, like everything becomes your story at the end.
0: Well, thank you. That's, I think that's really important. I will say years ago, that's what I thought too. Oh, we've got so much wellness out there. There's plenty of people that have shared their cancer stories. And as you said, like, everybody's story is a little different. And by the way, there are books that I've read, inspirational self-help books or cancer books or you know, you name it on a topic. There's some that I connect with better than others. And I think that's why no matter who you are and what your story is, if you have the desire to get it out there, that it can be so helpful because there are well-known influencers out there that I just don't connect with. And so reading their work, I don't love them as much as somebody else does, but you know what? Somebody else loves them. And so they're good for that. So I really do believe that. And why I'm so grateful that you came on is because I know that writing has played such a role in your life. Not always just the writing of the book and writing of the story in different different parts of your corporate career, but that you've taken it. You've followed this love and this passion to be able to, you know, whether it's literally pen to paper or, you know, fingers to keyboard to, to live your dream. And now you've got um, this trilogy coming out, the first of which will be in early of 2024. But on the note of gratitude, you know that I want to spend a moment as we wrap up. Uh, Talking a little bit about gratitude, and if you're new to me, I I play the grateful game most nights, not so much anymore as my kids gotten older. We've kind of shifted it to when I get his attention during the day. Hey, what are you grateful for and why? Uh, The reason I do it though is because I found, and many studies show that when you focus on a mindful practice and make it regular, it makes your day a little better. You start to, and I noticed that When we were playing the grateful game regularly, we'd look throughout the day and we'd come back and report on the good things that we found. And so I have found that even when I've had a really hard day, and by the way, I know that the gratitude game is not gonna cure my cancer, it's not gonna necessarily help solve all the world's problems by any means, but what it does is it puts a smile on my face. It might shift my energy. It might give me a distraction from some of the hardships. And so I encourage you, the listeners right now, like take a moment with us to think about what you're grateful for and why in the last 24 hours. So Amar, I would love to know what you are grateful for and why. I mean, listen, it could be the last 24 hours. I haven't seen you in 15 years. It could be something from then too. But, you know, it doesn't have to be the big and the obvious. Sometimes it's those little things that kind of get us through the day. So, what are your thoughts?
1: I think it's so important. Gratitude is something that you know you try to work on every day, especially you know as a parent and as you know as a as a spouse, um, you know because all we have is the present. And I think the you know the couple of things that I like to always do is have one. What is your, the one big thing that you know that you're that you did the, during the day, right? And it could be something of you know as big as having like this podcast or you know making sure your kids you know got to school on time and you picked them up on time for me over the last 24 hours you know there were a couple of things one obviously you know connecting with you has been so awesome you know you always were one of my favorite people when we worked at disney together and you know i'm i'm just so happy to 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 see you you know and it's also understanding that the present moment is more important than the past more important than the future because it's what you have and you know, I was driving my daughter to work today, and again, Frozen was playing. Um, I got the request to to play "Let It Go," um, and I loved it. She was singing, and I was singing along with her. And you know, it, it's something that we do every day. And I know that it's not going to be there forever, so I was grateful for that. I was grateful yesterday to to see my son give mom and dad advice. And so he's an eight year old with you know with more emotional intelligence than most forty year olds. So I was really grateful to that. I was. Grateful for, you know, to to my wife uh, this morning for enjoying or making coffee that I was able to have. So, those are like three small things. And I was grateful that, you know, yesterday for the first time, I sat down and I, you know, and I talked with a therapist for the first time in 30, 20 years because I needed someone to talk to. So, I was grateful that I made those strides for myself. Um, So, I think it all boils down to respecting the moment because it's not coming back. And I think that's where I've learned to practice gratitude. I haven't been able to do it every day, but I'm still working on it. And I think that's what I'm grateful for is knowing and having the awareness that, you know, enjoy the moment.
0: Well, and to your point, we hear a lot in call it wellness media or the good news media, which I love. And I, th- I think it's definitely worth something we hear people talk about live in the moment, live in the moment. How do you do that? And I think what we're saying right now is if you're looking throughout the day, to find things that make you smile, that you might be grateful for. You were just able to rattle off a handful of them and they were little things. But you're finding joy. You're. It sounds like you're really finding joy. I hope you sang along with your daughter to let it go.
1: Tell me to stop. She told you to stop? Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: well, if it means anything, my son does that to me all the time too. And even my husband, when there's a song in the car, I'm like, oh, I gotta sing it. I'm like, no, stop. And by the way, I love to sing. So, But for whatever it's worth, It helps, it's these little things that help you be present. It's, you know, yes, I aspire to go to Greece and do all these big, beautiful adventures, uh, but that's not the day-to-day. And so if I'm looking forward all the time or I'm reminiscing all the time, which I like doing both, what I'm trying to do is really channel in enjoying where I'm at, when I'm there, because then you get out of your head and you're able to put one foot in front of the other. Even when, you know, life's great, it's easy to do that. When life is a little tougher, it makes it a little harder. So anyway, I want to thank you again. This has been so wonderful to reconnect with you. I have loved all of our conversations from early on to now. And for those of you that are listening, I thank you for joining us today, hearing what Amar has to say. Amar, where do you think people can best connect with you if they want to follow your work?
1: Absolutely. So on social media, everything is under Amar Shahism. So A-M-A-R-S-H-A-H-I-S-M on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, And then um, my website is com, And there'll be links to the book as well.
0: All right. Well, we can't wait. So you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, rest of your week. And for all the listeners out there, I hope that we've been able to provide you a little bit of facts, a little bit of fun, a little bit of laughter, maybe warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart. Uh, Okay, so now I'm sounding really cheesy. But really, the point is, is, is we're trying to help you find a little bit of joy during whatever journey you're going through in life. So have a great day and bye for now. One more thing. I would be so grateful if you'd take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health.